Thank you for listening to, downloading, reviewing, and sharing K-Voice of Resistance. I'm your host, Kelly. Resist! Tip of the day. Just because someone you're debating online hates Trump doesn't mean they are not a racist incel and an asshole. Fly ball to left. It's on its way, and it is gone! Swing. They have won the night after entering first place. And now, it's a game and a half. And this crowd is stunned. I love baseball. If you've listened to my show before around playoff season, this is not new information to you. I love the intricacies, but I also love that you can enjoy it and understand it knowing only the broad strokes of what is going on. There are four bases, two teams, the guy who throws the ball throws it, and the dude with the bat tries to hit the ball, and if the ball goes far, it's a home run, and that's good, and points get put up on the board. And yeah, I love the intricacies. I love that if you know the multitude of rules, the subtle signals, the different pitches, when it really matters if the foot was on or off the base and when, I love that despite some human errors here and there resulting in blown calls, the umpires are acting in good faith. It is a game you can rely on. The rules won't change in general. The players will mostly play by the rules, and when they don't, more often than not, there will be consequences. It is a game that appreciates the fans, and the fans get to come together in common cause, and win or lose, they know how the game is supposed to go, and will go, even if they have no idea who the winner will be. Because, you see, baseball has rules. And if one team chooses not to follow any of those rules, the umpires don't just say, fuck it, guess that's the way it goes now. We will never show up to a game, only to find out that the rules were never really rules to begin with. They were just suggestions the whole time. They were simply ideas of how the game should be played. Americans showed up to election season in 2016 only to find out that most of the things we assumed were rules were just suggestions. Turns out, you totally can work with a foreign adversarial country to beat your opponent to win an election so long as you do it out in the open. Turns out, you can financially benefit from your presidency. Let everyone have access to the nation's most top-secret materials, regardless of the FBI saying that those people were a risk to national security and should not have security clearances. And turns out, regardless of the Official Records Act that says they must keep records of communication in the White House, you, as Jared does, can use Snapchat to talk to the Prince of Saudi Arabia. And never mind the GOP's lust for locking Hillary up because the emails. Even as Trump uses his unsecured Apple phone on the regular. Tweet about it. So in baseball, generally a catcher will call individual pitches. He will signal to the pitcher what to throw. When he puts down fingers in between his legs, that's signaling for a certain pitch. One finger is for a fastball, two is for a curve, etc. And the other team's hitter, the guy with the bat, can't see these calls and doesn't know what's coming, right? This ball is crushed. So what if what if, what if the Dodgers showed up one day and the Houston Astros had partnered with, say, 
I don't know, China, and was using their satellite imagery to read the Dodgers pitching calls. And the Chinese were feeding the calls to the hitter via Bluetooth, so the hitter knew which pitch was coming at him. Now imagine, the Dodgers find out about it, and they go to the umpires, and the umpires, it turns out, have been hired by the Astros. The Astros picked them all, and all these umpires are diehard Astros fans, dads with gambling debts who had taken out bets on the Astros. So the authority figures are in on the corruption and there's nothing the fans nor the Dodgers can do about it. That's what we're experiencing right now in our government. No offense, Astros fans. I'm not equating you to Trump followers. Unless you are Trump followers, in which case, what are you doing listening to this podcast? You don't belong here! See, with baseball, we just know what to expect. But I don't know how the game of politics is played anymore. Things are being broken. Guidelines are being broken. Laws are being broken. Rules are being broken. And even the laws that do make it into a court, just about no one is seeing consequences. And now the courts are being bought up by Mitch McConnell and the Republicans with extremist lifetime-appointed judges. Does anything matter anymore? The Democrats in the House are threatening legal action if Barr and McGahn continue to refuse to testify, and the disgusting Mnuchin, our treasury troll, if he doesn't turn over Trump's taxes as he is legally required to do. But everyone is refusing, and legal action, I believe, goes to the damn Supreme Court, and it has been populated for a generation with Christian Thing 1. So help me God. And Christian Thing 2. So help me God. Neil's stolen seat, Gorsuch, and Mr. Rapey-like Spear, Kavanaugh. Have some beers. And then there's Roberts, who in the past has not been shy about expanding presidential powers wider than Poway. The first black hole we were so lucky to see a picture of. It's science. And just like a black hole, Trump with his powers will suck all of us into unending darkness, destruction, and oblivion. As a side note, the name Poway is a Hawaiian phrase that refers to an embellished dark source of unending creation. I just think that's pretty cool. Which Trump is not. Let's be clear. So here we are. Up is down, black is white, the Astros are in league with China, still trying to spread that rumor, and Sarah Huckabee Sandtrap still has a job. How is she still a thing? She still has a job as White House Communications Director, whose job it is, whose job we pay her to do, is communicate affairs of the White House to us, the American people. And according to the Mueller report, she has since admitted that, yes, she lied! And while we know and have always known that she lies more than R. Kelly to Gail King on the regular, now she's an admitted liar. A proven liar. What is she doing there? Also, what did she do all day? Because it's not press briefings. In April, we had what? One press briefing? Yeah. On April 25th, Sanders made herself available for what the White House said was a kids-only press briefing held for children participating in Take Our Sons and Daughters to Work Day. So why is it that we are paying her $179,700 a year? Yeah, according to CNBC, that liar makes $179,700 a year to torture us with her lies. The joke of a single time a month at best. 
Just quit already! Anyway, we don't know what the future looks like, and nobody does. And those who tell you that they do, they're probably a dude yelling on the street corner with a sign condemning gays to hell, and, and, and don't talk to that guy. Just, no. Jesus! Shut up! Shut up! While infinite futures are possible, after 2016, the number of those futures that more resemble a survival reality show than Star Trek grew exponentially. America is not invincible. Be very clear, the collapse of our society here in America can happen, and it absolutely can come in our lifetimes. I wanted to explore what causes a society to collapse. Frank Ilwell, author of Sociocultural Systems, Principles of Structure and Change, says there have been as many as two million separate societies throughout human history, and there are at most about 200 currently standing. So a societal collapse is a, um, it's a fall of, of a complex human society. Oh no! Complex collapse can happen suddenly. Or if we are lucky, it can be a slow decline that neither you nor I will have to suffer much through. And guys, it doesn't matter whether we're an advanced society or not. And I mean, obviously we are. It's debatable. But both the Romans and the Mayans were considered advanced societies and, and, and many more besides that. So here's the bad news. Science is not on our side. Oh, no. It turns out we are due for a collapse, guys. And I just don't mean the ticking time bomb that is climate change. No, no, no. That science is not on our side either, clearly. But see, NASA funded a study, and over 32 advanced civilizations have collapsed before us. And apparently, we're next in line. Fans of Brevity, they produced a paper that had a clever little title called Human and Nature Dynamics, otherwise known as Handy, modeling inequality and the use of resources and the collapse or sustainability of societies. And es essentially they found this. We are due. Unless we make some dramatic policy changes, and I mean a dramatic overhaul of our systems. We will collapse. Quote, Collapse of even advanced civilizations have occurred many times in the past 5,000 years, and they were frequently followed by centuries of population and cultural decline and economic regression. God, listening to that, are we already in the middle of a collapse? So let's talk about why societies do collapse, and maybe more importantly, how we can avoid it. And obviously, there's not one answer to this. And while this is a very, very complex topic, it... For me personally, it helps me be a little less afraid of the unknown if I can get a grasp of what is at least known. Pulitzer Prize-winning author, geographer, and historian Jared Diamond. The big problems facing the world today are not at all th things beyond our control. Our biggest threat is not an asteroid about to crash into us, something we can do nothing about. Instead, all the major threats facing us today are problems entirely of our own, of our own making. And since we made the problems, we can also solve the problems. That then means that it's entirely in our power to deal with these problems. He's written many books, also wrote two laugh-a-minute books, which focused on collapse, called Guns, Germs, and Steel, and more recently, Collapse, How Societies Choose to Fail or Succeed. Notice his use of the word choose. He has also written a book called Why Sex is Fun, but that's a different topic. Well, there are some societies that have already collapsed 
such as Somalia and Rwanda and the former Yugoslavia. There are also societies today that may be close to collapse, such as Nepal, Indonesia, and Colombia. What about ourselves? What is there that we can learn from the past that would help us avoid declining or collapsing in the way that so many past societies have? And this guy, Diamond, has a comb-over so impressive, it should have its own TV show. So Diamond has nailed down five factors that contribute to society's collapse. And if these five factors are present, factor number five will determine whether a society will collapse. Okay, number one, climate change. Duh. But this is not just the big final collapse that will happen to humanity if we don't get our shit together. Rather, the problems that arise from warmer or colder temperatures, wetter or drier, whatever. Climate change has been wiping out societies since before humans were causing climate change. Norse settlers, Vikings, arrived and thrived in Greenland during the medieval warm period, around 1800 to 1200 CE. When a period of cooling known as the Little Ice Age began in the early 14th century, it became increasingly difficult to farm. And then there was those crazy Mayans, who had a quick collapse by collapse standards. Their civilization was kicking ass during the Classical period, but starting around the 4th century CE, those crazy years, between 660 and 900 CE, began a drying trend, which led to agricultural decline, increased warfare, and less trade. A drought lasted before 1020 and 1100 CE occurred in the midst of the population collapse, which they consider the official end of the classic Mayan civilization, though it largely lived on, just dispersed and absorbed into other civilizations. But those societies could have survived had these bottom four factors also not been working against them. Probably. So we have climate change down, man. Be it droughts in California, or floods in Florida, or earthquakes, fires, tornadoes, hurricanes that will continue to ravage our society, we have climate change in spades. Okay, uh, number two. A second item on my checklist is... This is relations with neighboring societies. You know what? I think we're gonna be friends. Well, we're kind of burning our bridges at the moment. Our closest allies are turning their backs on us as we turn ours on them. And do I need to mention our southern border? Yeah, so, number three. Look for human impacts on the environment, people inadvertently destroying the resource base on which they depend. So, for example, The Hill reported that just in the last week of April, the EPA finished a three-pronged attack on the Clean Water Act's ability to keep our water safe and clean. First, it proposed a rule that would eliminate protections on behalf of America's wetlands and countless of miles of smaller streams. This is the water that feeds directly into our drinking water resources. These are the protections that protected wetlands from being turned into Walmart parking lots. Wetlands are there for a reason. They are the filters of our aquatic systems. Not only will draining them harm our drinking water, it screws even more wildlife out of habitat and will, without question, result in more dangerous and costly flooding during the inevitable hurricanes, exacerbated by climate change. Next, the EPA, our Environmental Protection Agency, announced that the Clean Water Act protections would no longer apply to pollution or sewage discharge into underground wells and aquifers. 
even if the polluted discharge flows directly into drinking water resources, such as lakes or rivers. You gotta keep them separated. Because who doesn't like a little toxic waste in their iced tea in the morning? Am I right? And finally, Mango Hitler ordered the EPA to tie states' hands in protecting local water quality by constraining the time and information they have to decide on whether to approve or veto polluting projects. This will limit the ability of states to object to federally permitted projects like new reservoirs or oil and gas pipelines, which is harmful to water quality. What happened to states' rights, guys? Even before Trump, we had toxic drinking water in many states. Hell, Flint was before Trump. According to a new report published by the Environmental Working Group, EWG, and Northeastern University, found that toxic chemicals found in nonstick cooking pans and other household items have contaminated 610 water resources across the country. That's across 43 states. Drinking water sources that serve upwards of 19 million people, with Michigan by far the most impacted. Still happy you voted for Trump, guys? The next most toxic after that is California. And New Jersey is third. These toxic chemicals can increase the risk of cancer and other severe health problems. And instead of addressing the problem and working for the people the way we pay these people to, the men and women at the EPA are conniving to make matters worse. This is just one, one example of the ways our resources are at risk. Open your eyes, understand this fight. Mother's home, is life. Back to our happy list on our society's impending collapse. Number four, relations with hostile societies. <laughs> I declare this one to be self-evident. And finally, political, economic, and societal factors that make it so society can't solve its own problems. So, for example, the one thing that can cause a society to collapse is when there is a conflict between the short-term interest of a society's elites with the long-term interest of a society's majority. Yeah, we got this. The rich in America are insatiable, well, everywhere, and must have more and more and more, regardless of who or what they have to drain, swindle, or decimate along the way. Especially because the decision makers, the elite, are able to insulate themselves from the problems they create by living in gated societies, drinking bottled water, having their own police, rescue, and whatever else services. The elite and the business world decide that they can do things that benefit them in the short term while harming a society in the long term. Welcome to the current plutocracy nightmare we are currently inhabiting. Enjoy. So, climate change, relations with neighboring societies, environmental factors surrounding destruction of resources, relations with hostile societies, and finally, our ability to handle any of that. Oh, crap. So it's not looking good, guys. And as for a rapid collapse or a slow collapse, in general, rapid collapse occurs at the peak of a society. It forms in an institution when output is greater than input. 
be it in resources or income. Diamond compares it to bacteria in a petri dish. See, the bacterial colony grows, and then the next generation grows bigger, and the next bigger, and so on. And as each generation grows, the food supply is getting halved, and then halved, and then halved. And finally, as the colony peaks in population, within one generation, the food supply has depleted. And the colony collapses just after their peak in power and population. According to that NASA-funded study, over 32 advanced civilizations have collapsed before us. And they conclude we are next in line. So whatever you want to call it, a collapse, a uh, redistribution of population, whatever it is, it likely will happen. If we contaminate every last bit of drinking goddamn water, we will be begging Mexico to take us in. The NASA group was able to narrow Diamond's list of five factors down to two, actually. They say, quote, The two features that seem to appear across all societies that have collapsed are the stretching the resources to, due to a strain placed on the ecological carrying capacity and the division of society into elites the rich, and commoners, the poor, unquote. So we're on a path. Something I'm sure is not new news to most of us. But humans, we adapt, we create, we reorganize. We can alter our fate, but it is going to require drastic changes. We need policies to reduce economic inequality and preserve natural resources in a big way. I am more convinced by studying all of this that that one of our priorities needs to be getting money out of politics. Think about it. Money in politics directly hands complete power in our society over to the elite, to the rich. There is no more people power when corporations and the wealthy are the politicians and are the only things that can put a politician into office or the courts because they can finance their campaigns. If the average person could run and win, and that average candidate did not need to cozy up to the rich to get there, then legislate to keep the fat cats happy for re-election, then we will have dramatically shifted the balance of power in America. The NASA paper writes that in unequal societies, quote, collapse is difficult to avoid. Elites grow and consume too much, resulting in famine among commoners that eventually causes the collapse of a society, unquote. Money out of politics is not the only answer, but it is a big, sweeping, institutional one that helps a lot of factors on the list. When our lawmakers no longer have to bow down to companies that want to pollute and waste our resources to control our economy, to push us to war as the Boeings or the Raytheons of the world do, the oil companies that want to push us to invade other countries for oil, the cotton companies and the paper companies that push us to defeat and suppress the growth of hemp without big business controlling every politician, then we can begin the desperate work of starting to tackle climate change as a whole. Money out of politics. Money out of politics is a bipartisan proposition. It could be the one and only singular issue that could unite Republican voters and Democratic voters. But we need politicians to have the will to unshackle themselves from their corporate overlords and suggest it. We need to get money out of politics and we can start by pushing every single Democratic candidate to talk about it and propose their solutions. And that will at least start the conversation in a real way. It is a small step to have them not take certain donations. It is another to have them prioritize binding legislation. 
And we need to do this on the local level, too. Remember, all politics is local. All of this lights on the reality that right now, the one single greatest threat to our society is sitting in the Oval Office at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And in 2020, we have a chance to set ourselves on a path towards survival. In 2020, we have a chance to send Donald Trump packing to the courts where he can face trial and jail before the statute of limitation runs out on some of his many crimes. And if we show up in any real numbers as we are the majority, we can take the Senate from McConnell's oily hands. In 2020, we have a chance to rise as a unified majority. We can improve our health care. We can salvage our national parks, which, as we speak, are being drilled and sold off for the natural resources. We can stem the tide of right-wing extremists and unqualified judges pouring from Mitch McConnell's filibuster-free Senate. We can save, to some degree, the highest court in the land, our Supreme Court, from right-wing extremists for the next generation or more thereby saving, again, to at least some degree, the rule of law. We can save the rights for just about everyone. We can rebuild our relations with the UN, our foreign allies, while putting bad foreign actors back in their place and act as a suppressant rather than an aggregate for the rising fascism that is taking hold worldwide. We can dash the hopes of the damn wall fetishists. Build that wall! Nope. While rebuilding that sad, crumbling wall between church and state, we can just maybe get started on real, meaningful immigration reform. Yes, but we can definitely release all of the children locked in detention camps right now and put the full weight of the United States government into reuniting those children who have been separated and still without parents with their parents. We can fulfill our promises to DACA recipients. Police reform. Criminal justice reform, prison reform. We can make private prisons illegal because no one should be profiting off of people's freedom. It is time to abolish slavery once and for all in this damn country. We have the ability to cut off those who make money off the backs of black and brown bodies once and for all. Equal pay. Close the gap. Gender pay gap, racial pay gap, disability pay gap, gay and transgender pay gap, and transgender, we can let transgender people back into the goddamn military. Voting rights, civil rights, women's rights, LGBTQ rights, animal rights, disability rights, age rights, marijuana rights. We can legalize marijuana and maybe even other drugs across the nation. You name it, we got it. We can legalize hemp. We can start to clean our water, drinking and otherwise, and re-empower the Endangered Species Act. We can begin in earnest to work to save this world from the climate catastrophe we're barreling towards in the next 10 years. We can, we can, we can, we can start to heal the wounds that have ripped through our country and her people before they become scars or fatal. We can save our country if and only if we put our differences aside and unite blue and vote blue. 2020 is a while away. And I'll give this speech again and probably again, some variation on it at least. But as we vet our candidates, please consider what is at stake before you swear off voting for one candidate or another. Consider the future. 
This is so much bigger than petty differences. This is so much bigger. The future of our very republic resides in the ballot box. It is good people who choose not to vote who elect bad representatives. I'll say that again. It is good people who choose not to vote who elect bad representatives. Don't be that guy. We can do better. We deserve better. There's no greater act of resistance than to vote. Okay, thank you for sticking with me and this episode of K, Voice of Resistance. You can stream or download this show at crabdabby.com under the K-Voice tab or on your favorite podcasting app. Follow me on Facebook at K-Voice of Resistance and on Twitter at Kelly the Voice. Be sure to check out the Crabdabbing podcast with hosts Patrick Vile and comedian Ryan Pfeiffer. Two hours a day, Monday through Friday, if you want a rundown of the headlines and the news you're missing. All right, take care of yourselves out there. And as always, resist. Trump is being a jerk. Trump is being a jerk. He's a bastard. A dumb face. Trump is being a jerk. Bye-bye.